Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 21st. Today we are reading from the fourth edition of the big book and we are at page nine, very last sentence of that page. Today's readers are Marsha, Paula, Eddie, and Deb W. The reference number for the previous day is 2867. That's 2867. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to abstain or to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Anne-Marie to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Anne-Marie. I'm a recovering compulsive eater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I will now call on Rosanna to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. Rosanna, compulsive reader. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or, or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group or never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such will never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Rosanna. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on the fourth edition, or we're in the fourth edition. We're on page nine in Bill's story, where the very, very last sentence on that page, it starts with he had. And I will ask Marsha, please, to begin reading. Good morning, everyone. This is Marcia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, he had come to pass his experience along to me, if I cared to have it. I was shocked, but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. When I read this paragraph, um, I see that here Ebby did what we now know as sharing his experience, strength, and hope, and and this could be considered probably the first 12-stepping done in, uh, documented in the big book. And uh, I, the sentence, uh, the phrase, if I cared to have it, I think is particularly significant because Bill was really allowed a choice uh, to choose for himself if he wanted to listen, just as I had in my first meeting. Um, my first OA meeting when I went in there, and I, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, but uh, just as Evie Thatcher was sharing 
putting himself out there on the table, his life, his, his addiction to alcoholism, uh, or he, he put himself out there just like other people did in, in an OA meeting for me. Um, and this was all for me to, to listen and consider and decide um, if, if this was actually something that would work for me. And Bill says, uh, I was shocked and I was interested because Abby's experience was familiar and uh, more importantly, what Abby was sharing was hopeful because Abby was sober. And that is so important. And he said he was interested he had to be because he was hopeless. Bill was hopeless. He was at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, that was it for him. He, he, was, he tried everything. And here was his friend who was just as much a drunk as, as he had been. And, and here was this man saying, hey, I'm sober. You know, if you want to be sober too, Here's, here's what I did. And that's what any sponsor will do, any, any, any uh, healthy meeting will do. There are people in the room who are abstinent and who can share what happened, what it was like, what happened, and, and what it's like now. And that's what we need to do every time we go into a meeting. We need to be able to share our experience, strength, and hope and to carry the message to compulsive overeaters. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Yes, this is Amy. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Well, let's review here. I mean, what's what's been going on with Bill before Abby showed up on his front front step here is that Bill was in a hopeless situation. I mean, he said that I was, I was hopeless. It says on page 24 of the big book, there is no middle of the road solution. If you're a seriously alcoholic or compulsive overeater as, as, as I was, it says here on page 25 and other, if you're a seriously alcoholic as we were, we would believe there was no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible and we passed into the region from which there was no alternative no return from human aid. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best as we could. The other was to accept spiritual help. Well, Bill was clearly drinking for oblivion and uh, was hopeless, and he knew that he was hopeless. He knew that he couldn't take one drink, and yet he was powerless to not drink. He could not stop drinking. And he knew that he was powerless. I mean, we talked a lot about knowledge and how self-knowledge doesn't help us and doesn't avail us anything. But let's be clear, knowledge can be a very powerful tool here. I mean, how could I know, how could I fix if I'm a compulsive overeater if I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater? Well, the problem is what we do with that knowledge. He knew that he was hopeless. And he tried the self-knowledge route and tried to fix himself. But he didn't know any other way. You know, but here, and he was taking the, the road here of, you know, bringing himself to oblivion because he didn't know any other way. But here shows Evie up on the doorstep. And, and Evie is saying, hey, I've got an idea here, a religious idea, a practical program of action. And it may have sounded a little crazy to Bill, but he was like, what the heck? You know, bludgeoned into submission by this disease. He said, of course I was interested. I was hopeless. 
So something else is being presented to him here, another option. Instead of oblivion, Evie is saying, here, here is another option. Here is a way. And it's worked for me. Bill could see it in his eyes. He hadn't only stopped drinking. He was sober. So Bill was interested. He was willing to listen. He was going to say to himself, I am powerless over this disease, and I need help. I'm going to choose the path that is put in front of me of those who have gone before, those who have recovered. You see, we're powerless over our disease, but we are powerless over the, the, the ability to choose. You know, the, the, the choosing is an act of will that I have to say that I choose today, that I am powerless over compulsive overeating, and I'm going to follow the, the ways that work, that those who are in front of me that are showing me, you know, the 12 steps of this program, I am going to work this program like my life depends upon it. I'm going to choose to surrender today. That's an act of my own will, but I have to choose that. I have to say when it comes to me, myself, and I, I am worked. I do not, I lose against this disease. I have no mental defense against, you know, this disease. In, in the big book and how it works, it says if you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're willing to take certain steps. And the result was nil until we let go absolutely. And that's what Bill has to do here. He has to say, okay, I am utterly hopeless here. Here stands me, a man who is sober, who is showing me a way that may sound a little crazy to me, but he says, I've got religion, but he's talked to me and he's shown me he's carried the message to me. And I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to choose today to try his way, which is the big book way. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. But here, Bill's, Bill's mind was already considering what Ebby what was going to be telling him. You know, he figured that Ebby was going to be ranting. You know, and Bill had heard that all before. He'd heard people ranting about this solution or that solution that he ought to try. But he did no ranting. He did no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, in a very matter-of-fact way, his friend sat there and began talking to him. He told him, he told Bill about this simple idea and a practical program of action. So it, it had two parts. It had two parts. And in a very matter-of-fact way, he began to describe how it had worked for him, how it had worked for him. And I, he had come to pass along his experience to me if I cared to have it. So he wasn't forcing anything on him, nor was he ranting, but in a very matter-of-fact way. And that shocked Bill. He was shocked, not only at what his friend was telling him, but in how he was telling him. Certainly, it piqued Bill's interest, he said, for I was hopeless. I was hopeless. I had to be interested because I was hopeless. And that is the turning point. You know, when I discovered that, yes, indeed, there was no more things for me to try. I had tried everything else. I had tried everything else. And this simple idea 
with a practical program of action was what was going to be the solution for me. And so here Bill is getting that very same approach. Matter-of-factly, Abby sharing his own experience, strength, and hope. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Good morning, right. it's Leah. Oh, Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. He had come to pass his experience along to me. This speaks to me of sponsorship. You know, Ebby uh, is not uh, coming to Bill with froth, frothy emotional appeal. No, Ebby's coming to Bill with the language, you know, from the heart. He's coming to Bill with his own experience. He's carrying a message of depth and weight. That's why, uh, in the doctor's opinion, Dr. Silkworth, you know, writes that you can rely, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves because we're not coming with, um, you know, intellect from a from a medical journal. We're coming from experience. You know, we have the power. We have recovered and we have the power to help another person, and that's exactly what we're reading about right here in this story. You know, uh, Ebby is using that dark past of his, which is exactly what the big book instructs us to do, you know, to cling to that thought that that dark past of ours is going to be the greatest possession you have because in the end it's the key to life and happiness for other people. And as Ebby sits across the kitchen table from Bill and carries his his message of being transformed by a power greater than himself, uh, yeah, Bill Bill's doesn't like the solution. He's shocked, but he is interested. He is interested because he's meeting some with someone who knows about recovery, more about recovery than anybody else because Ebby has lived through it. God has equipped Ebby with some very, very unique knowledge and a very, very unique experience to help a very, very unique group of people, just like Bill, alcoholics, alcoholics. And that's exactly what happened to me. You know, when I sat down with someone who was recovered, who cracked open this big book and made it come alive for me, I left that room with something I came in without. And that was hope. And that was hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Leah. Well, this is Christy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I mean, take, take this paragraph in context. And Bill um, expected his friend to come over and they were going to drink together. I mean, that was what the expectation was. They were going to have some drinks together and, you know, relive the memories of their drinking years. And, uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, for me, I mean, I actually had to physically walk into an OA meeting. Um, I had to walk into an OA meeting, and I had the expectation, not that there would be a food buffet there, you know, that, that certainly would have gotten me there, but what I walked in there with was an expectation that maybe, just maybe, maybe um, there would be hope in there for, that, for me. Uh, you know, I was utterly hopeless. I was ho as hopeless as Bill was. I had, I was destined to be, 
you know, doomed to a life of insanity, which I'd pretty much already gotten to, um, or death, certainly. I mean, I, you know, I was absolutely insane when it came to food. This disease had beaten me, beaten me into a state where, you know, I thought maybe, you know, maybe there's one last hope for me. You know, and I don't know about you and why you called in this morning. You know, maybe that's where you are. You know, I, uh, again, I, 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 there was something, you know, again, my disease had me desperate enough that I was looking for something. It's like there's got to be something. There's got to be something out there. There has to be something. You know, even though I had tried for years and years and years on my own, I had tried in a way for years, I, uh, I, you know, I, I just thought I, I, I've got to try something before I give up for good, you know, before I completely give up. It's like maybe there is something. And, you know, that I was interested. I was interested enough to make my way to a meeting, you know, just like you might be interested enough to have dialed in this morning. You know, I don't know what it is for everybody, but I'm just grateful that I took that last, you know, that last little drive in my car and uh, got myself to a meeting uh, because it completely transformed my life. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on what was read before we move on to the next paragraph? All right, let's move on. Paula, would you please read the next paragraph? Surely. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays way over there on the hillside. There was that pro-offered temperance pledge I never signed, my grandfather's good-natured contempt of some church folk and their doings, his insistence that the spears really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. His fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. I want to go back to that first sentence here. He talked for hours. And Bill listened. But look what welled up while he was talking could identify with what what Ebby was talking about, the spiritual part. And look at what he said, childhood memories. Now, Ebby is talking about his spiritual path and, and what happened to him. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays, way over there on the hillside. But I'm going to scoot down for that last line. They made me swallow hard. They ever been present with something, somebody, maybe a sunrise, a sunset, or somebody speaking, and you swallow hard. It stops you in your tracks, doesn't it? And that's what we see here. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? This is Dana. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Christy. So it's a wonderful picture here in my mind of Bill and his friend sitting at their kitchen table talking about the past. And Evie is sharing his own past, the experiences, some of which they shared. And for Bill, it made him remember certain things from his own past certain things from his own past that had to do 
with spiritual that had to do with the spiritual. You know, he had a close relationship with his grandfather and he's remembering things that his grandfather taught him, things that he remembered his grandfather believing in strongly. You know, and those things hit a place in him where those memories, there were some beautiful memories there for Bill. You know, his grandfather's talking about you know, yeah, some of those church folks and, and what they might be doing, his good-natured good natured way of looking at some of those church folks, his grandfather's insistence that there was beauty in the spiritual, and his grandfather's insistence that nobody could tell him exactly what he needed to believe or how he needed to believe it. And those things had, had stuck with Bill. They were in his memory bank there. And he's remembering them. And they touched a part of him that made him swallow hard remembering those things. Yet, that yes, this simple religious idea that his friend had begin, begun to cling to and had brought him out of that horrific place of alcoholism to this place of sobriety and recovery that he could see in his friend, those were the things that he was sharing with Bill. His own experience that made Bill think of his own experience. You know, and isn't that what we do when we give our message of recovery? You know, we talk about our own personal experience hoping that the still-suffering person might be able to identify, might be able to identify with us and trigger their own memories and their own experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Childhood memories rose before me. So here is Eddie. He's telling these stories, but all Bill can think about is what it means to him. You know, we talk a lot about in the big book about our prejudices. You know, and prejudice, if you break down that word in Latin, judice is to judge and pre is beforehand. So what prejudice means is to prejudge something, you know, and that's part of the problem, you know, oh, they said that word God, oh, oh my goodness, yeah. you have all these old ideas of what that means from when you were a kid, you know, oh yeah, here's another diet, I know what that means, yuck, 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 and you're prejudging that, you know, you go in there and you see people that have taken off the weight that they've kept it off for a long time, yeah, 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 I've, I've been there, done that, you know, I, oh yeah, I've done those stuff, that doesn't work for me. You know, it's, it's these old childhood memories. It's, it's what he, his experience was that's blocking him. So what does the big book ask us to do? It, told us, it tells us we have to cast aside our old ideas. We have to put them totally aside, and we have to look at new ideas. So Bill is in this process of letting go of these childhood memories that are rising up before him and trying to listen to Evie in a new light, trying to look at it. Why is he able to do that? Because he knows how Evie tried it. Evie could do it. Maybe I can do it. And that's what happened in L.A. with me. These people ate like I ate. They've been where I've been. So whatever these old ideas, they have all these old prejudices, all my old ideas of what God is and what dieting is and what, and what anything in my life was. These people seem to know where I was. And if they could do it, maybe I just need to open up. Maybe I let, need to let go of those old prejudices let go of those old ideas and try to be open to a new idea. And you know what? When I was open, 
when I was hopeless, when I was cornered, when I was as desperate as a drowning man, I was willing to reach out. And that's where Bill is, and that's the process that he's going through. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. Eddie, would you please read? Good morning, this is Eddie in Virginia, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, the wartime day, that wartime day in old Westminster Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. For that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and namelessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary, contra, despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe, who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I had gone. Now, I can remember as a child, um, I always um, had gone to church. Uh, my mother was um, a very faithful individual. Uh, my father, not so much. He would go in spurts um, in between um, you know, his drinking and whatever else was going on. Uh, but my mother always went. She was very faithful. Um, and, um, you know, I went to uh, years of parochial school, um, and uh, there was no such thing on Sunday as, you know, not getting up and going to church uh, unless you were really, really, really sick. Um, and so, you know, I grew up that way, but um, I can't, I can't say that I ever had a personal relationship with God. Um, to me, God was this, you know, stern father figure that sort of uh, looked out over everybody and um, was very involved with, you know, the mightier issues of the world. And um, certainly I was just a very, very, very tiny cog in a much greater wheel. Um, so I, um, I never experienced that personal one-to-one -one relationship um, that, um, you know, is necessary uh, now that I know is necessary uh, for me to have. Um, and actually, I, I think that even as I grew um, into um, adulthood, um, and certainly as my disease became more pronounced in my life, um, I, I sort of moved away even from that. Um, and, and there was a time in my life, a very dark period of my life, um, before I, right before I came into the rooms, that um, I really did not know if I truly believed in God. I mean, he talks about few people are really atheists. And I would not say that you know, I was an atheist, but certainly I had a very dim opinion um, if, um, if God was at home, uh, what he was doing with his time. And, um, you know, there were some struggles going on in my life that I totally uh, did not get. Um, why they would have happened to me. Um, I always had considered myself, you know, very uh, at least a decent person um, and who had tried to do the right thing 
and then got slapped in the face for it. And um, not until much later in life did I find that, you know, my, did I admit when I went through the steps, my part in what made that situation happen. But, um, you know, I, I can see that, um, that God was working even then. Now, of course, I can see that. You know, they talk about hindsight being twenty twenty. But, um, you know, Bill, Bill obviously, I mean, he writes so well. It just, it's just amazing. Um, the man really had a way with words. Um, he talks about, um, I, had, I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. Um, and, uh, you know, thank God that there was no time or limitation here because I'd probably still be out there wandering around this vast wasteland that, um, you know, I lived in for such a long time. But um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. That first paragraph and sentence, that wartime day, an old Winchester Cathedral came back again. And that is the beginning of the story, isn't it? And Bill, what does he write there? What happened there? We landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral. Now look at what he said. Much moved. I wandered outside. My attention was caught by a dog roll on an old tombstone, a reading. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is near forget whether he dies by musket or by pot. Ominous warning, which I failed to heed. This is what could come back to him on that day. And then he ends with, and I'll go to that last line. I simply, and I'll scoot down, I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. But that was as far as I had gone. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I will pass. Thanks, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Good morning, it's Leah. Good morning, Leah. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. I mean, as Ebby uh, sits before Bill, you know, and and is sharing about this this transformation that he's had uh, as a result of God, you know, that a, what essentially Ebby is sharing is that a power greater than himself had done for Ebby what he could not do alone. I mean, that's what's being shared here. And as that's being shared, Bill is pondering this because, uh-oh, he's been cornered, you know, because Bill is in the quicksand and he's hopeless. Here comes Ebby, an old drinking friend who stands sober with, with, with uh, new, you know, new eyes, you know, uh, the light in his eyes. And and Ebby's sol- solution ha- is God, so this is troublesome to to Bill. I mean, Bill is irritated by this. You know, uh, he doesn't like that solution. He says here, uh, I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Now, an atheist is one who says there is no God. One who says there is no God. But you know, Bill. As he says here, my intellectual heroes, you know, Bill uh, is saying he's not an atheist, but the reality is that Bill has stood on his own two feet, Bill has run his own show, 
Bill has ruled his own destiny, his own kingdom. He never turned to God for help throughout this whole progression of his illness and the mad descent into the pit of alcoholism, Bill relied on self. Bill relied on his intellect. Bill relied on money. Bill relied on accomplishment. Bill relied on, you know, um, ambition and his determination. You know, he did not turn to God, and he got the same help from God that the atheist gets, which is nothing. Bill relied on self-sufficiency. Bill relied on self-reliance, trust, reliance, and dependency on himself. So that is exactly what has happened here. You know, uh, only God can remove the obsession of the mind. But what if you? What do you do if your mind has snapped shut against such an idea? Well, you're cornered, and the story unfolds. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move on? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. Oh, Katie, go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep trying to jump in. Um, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. And I just love this, um, this visual of what is going on here. The wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. And then at the last sentence, but that was as far as I had gone, that normally in these years of drinking, occasionally he would think about God and he would think, oh, yeah, God must be out there. But, but he never made it personal. And to me, this is saying, you know, in this split moment when Abby is talking to him, he's remembering that day uh, at the Winchester Cathedral. And he knew that that was a warning for him. And that warning was from God, but he didn't take it. And so now it's all connecting together. And it makes life just, uh, we realize that God is part of everything we do, every decision we make. God is aware of it, and he never could say that he was an atheist. Um, so I really see that he's had, he's starting to have some sort of spiritual awakening, and um, that, you know, as Evie's talking on and on about his own experience, Bill is thinking about his experience, and that's what we can rely on when we share with others. We don't, we have to share what happened to us, but there's a pretty sure guarantee that they have their own story, that everyone has their own spiritual journey that they've been on or been avoiding their whole life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Deb W., will you please read the next paragraph? Deb, can you press star one to unmute? Sorry about that. Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deb. I'm a recovering compulsive over here from Michigan. With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When I talked of a God personal to me who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. Um, and I'll pass. Thank you. Would anyone like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. All right. Bill is so honest. It was so honest telling us exactly where his mind was at 
in the in in that moment, you know, and and what he had grown up with, you know, what what had served him, what had served him was self. You know, with ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there, he said. When they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. You know, that's pretty telling. That's pretty telling, you know, that the the intellect and the self-will that Bill had tried to rely on his entire life his entire life, had kept him from entertaining anything that had to do with this God who might be loved, who might have direction for him to follow this idea of a greater spiritual power at work in his life. In his life, he had always had those old ideas firmly in place, just like I had those old ideas firmly in place that made my mind snap shut against that idea. You know, but the hopefulness here is that Bill is sitting in this place where alcohol, alcohol has him by the throat, has him by the throat, stuck in the quicksand all around him, no way out, no way out. And I think that's exactly where I had to get to where there was no more personal power in me that I could muster up and throw against this one more time. You know, I was at that place where I knew with a certainty that there was nothing else out there for me. I had tried everything else. And this book, this book and his experience right here that I could identify with was going to be a great and wonderful tipping point. You know, where if I had no personal power, if lack of power was my dilemma, then what was I to do? And Bill's going to share with us exactly what that next step was for him. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. I'm Christy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, uh, you know, I just love this paragraph because it reminds me, of course, of me. And, um, you know, when I look at that, when they talked of a God personal to me, personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated. I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. You know, when I read that, that's, that's exactly where I was. You know, no one was going to tell me what to do. No one was going to tell me what to do. And no one was going to tell me what to believe in. So at a very early age in my life, um, certainly, you know, this disease kicked in early for me in my life. And so did my um, defiance. You know, my defiance. I uh, had decided very early on that I was not going to believe um, in whatever people told me they wanted me to believe in. And so, you know, my mind snapped shut. It snapped shut against a lot of things. You know, and who wouldn't want to believe in, you know, a God personal to me? It could be however I defined that higher power, a power greater than myself, as long as I knew it wasn't me. You know, as long as I knew it wasn't me, I was not that higher power. Love, superhuman strength, direction. Who wouldn't want that? Me, I wouldn't want that. You know, thank you very much, but I'm not going to do what anyone tells me. I'd be on my merry way. And, you know, you know, at some point in my eating career, that merriment was overshadowed by despair, loneliness, and hopelessness, and bewilderment. And, um, 
you know, it got to the point for me, certainly, where, uh, you know, after praying long and hard that, you know, someone out there, something out there make me stop eating, you know, but I'll be, I'll be over here by this bag of potato chips, you know, until you're ready to strike me abstinent, um, uh, you know, why wouldn't I be, why wouldn't I be um, angry? Why wouldn't I be angry that I could not eat as much as I wanted and not suffer the consequences? That was my prayer. I'd like to eat whatever I want and do whatever I want without having to suffer any consequences. And when things did not go my way, which they did not, uh, I was very, very angry. So you know, I'm grateful today that the big book gives me a hoop that uh, is pretty wide in terms of defining what it is um, that that uh, is going to help me recover, that it's a power greater than myself, um, that can restore me to sanity. I mean, I certainly believe that I needed to be restored to sanity, um, but it took a whole lot of complete hopelessness and despair before I got there. And I'm just grateful today that I got there and that um, this program was designed in the way it was. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? This is Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you. I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. <laughs> you know, uh, Boy, you know, Bill is cornered here, uh, cornered because, uh, you know, he's almost, uh, you know, threats of divorce. He's been sleeping on his mother-in-law's couch. He's gone through delirium tremens. You know, he's, he's lost jobs. He's lost great opportunities. He's almost lost his life. You know, he's plagued by isolation, plagued by suicidal uh, thinking, and here comes Ebby, who has a glow in his eyes, a light coming forth, saying that you know God has restored his sanity, and and that that is not a solution that uh, comes uh, with open arms to Bill. You know, I became irritated, and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. I mean, he's doing a Herbert Spencer here. Uh, Herbert Spencer, you'll find in the back of the book in the spirit in the. Uh, you know, appendix, there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt before investigation. He is irritated at this thought. But you know what? Uh, alcoholism has beat him into a state of reasonableness because Bill realizes, he will realize that he cannot stay sober on his own willpower. He's tried that. He's tried staying sober on intellect because he is brilliant. There's no doubt about that. He's tried staying sober on self-knowledge because he learned a lot from Dr. William Silkworth, you will remember. He learned about the grave nature of the illness. He learned about the allergy of the body. He learned about the obsession of the mind. But even self-knowledge wasn't enough. Even all of Bill's determination, even all of Bill's inner strength, all his motivation, all his uh, brilliancy, he cannot stay sober on his willpower because the willpower is not enough to conquer the obsession of the mind. There's only one thing stronger than the obsession of the mind, and that's he who made it. Only God can remove the obsession of the mind because a, a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. Only God can do that. So he's really cornered here. 
he is cornered, and that's exactly what happens in this, uh, you know, in the progress in the in the progression of the disease. We are cornered. We there are no, you know there's door number one, which is the gates of insanity or death, and there's door number two, which is a spiritual solution. There is there is no door number three. You know, you can look for decades. You can hang out in OA rooms uh, year after year after year looking for door number three. But there is no door number three. There's two doors. So he's been pushed up against the corner, and he's going to be, you know, having to relinquish control and allow God to be the director of his life. Let's see what happens. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Amy. Amy, go ahead. Um, in case I'm repeating myself, uh, you know, this is a pivotal point for Bill. He's going back through these memories and, and seeing that when, you know, his mind snaps shut. I mean, is this going to happen again? Amy? Amy, can you hear me? I think we lost you, Amy. Um, uh, is there any? Here. Oh, good. Hi, Amy. Go ahead. Sorry, did I, I? I don't know where. I, did you hear me, or did I even start talking, or I did not on mute? You, you know what, Amy? Um, I heard just the very first part where you said I might be repeating myself. So go ahead and repeat yourself there, and keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a compulsive overeater. You know, in case I, I'm repeating myself what I said earlier, but this is a pivotal point for Bill. It's his mind going to snap shut. He's reviewing. He's looking back at his memories, and he's reviewing things. Emotions are welling up. He's swallowing hard. Is his mind going to snap shut again when it comes to this talk about spiritual issues, about God? Is he going to snap shut, or is he going to be open and willing to listen, to try something new, to let go of old ideas? As others have said, he's beaten and bludgeoned and bloodied by this disease. He knows he's hopeless, and he's being offered a spiritual solution. And probably there's some of you all on the line that are at this pivotal point as well. Do we snap our minds shut and go back to old ideas that will get us six feet under with this disease of compulsive overeating? Or are we going to be honest about what we are, powerless over our food, and open and willing to look at this spiritual solution? Because this is what this book is about. You know, it says there's a whole chapter dedicated because we know they knew how difficult it was to swallow this idea of a spiritual solution to the dilemma. The whole chapter, we agnostic, goes into it. It says here, lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where, but how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself that will solve your problem. But for many of us, you know, that choice, you know, to be doomed to an alcoholic or compulsive death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Leah's right, it's door one, it's door two. You know, what, what are we going to choose? And what are we going to believe? 
But thank God for this program and the people that have gone before and wrote this book because Bill knew this would be so hard. And they go on to say, look, all you need to do is be willing to believe, you know, to even make some headway to say, it's not me anymore. I am willing to believe in something out there. You know, and they'll go on to talk about it in the next paragraph on this page. But the idea is to be open, to not snap shut, because to snap shut means that we are closing ourselves up to hope and to recovery from this disease. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Would anyone else like to share on the paragraph that was read? Good morning. This is Leah from the U.S. Hi, Leah. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that there was a point where I knew that if I continued to do what I was doing, something had to then I was going to commit suicide, and that was something I didn't want to do. So even though I didn't know what I was looking for, I went looking for something different. It took me a while to understand that I had to find God on a personal level um, after coming into the rooms. However, it, 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 was, it was a point where I was at despair. I could either go back to doing things the same way I always did, and it would accomplish nothing for me, or I could make a change. And that was the pivotal point, and it sounds like this is the pivotal point that Bill is at, too. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else before we move on? This is Lois. Could I share? Sure, Lois. Go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Lois, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I, I, too, have been at this point in, in, my, in my disease that where my mind had snapped shut to many, many um, solutions people have tried to help me with. But it wasn't until another compulsive overeater who thought the same way I did about my disease, excuse me, and who had been through the same experiences and who had never, ever talked about, you know, a spiritual solution. And it wasn't until my, my friend who thought the same way I was, was a, was a compulsive overeater, Heard, um, heard of a new solution, what, it, that was the point at which I was just beginning to listen. You know, my mind snapped shut, but here was this person, and I know in the next chapter to come, you know, and more, more will follow. And, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? All right, Marsha, are you still on the line? Can you read the next paragraph for us? Press star one to unmute Marsha if you are on the line. Can you hear me? Hi, Marsha? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you so much. Go ahead. Okay, sure. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. With ministers in the world's religion, I parted right there. When they talked of God personal to me and who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. Actually, Marcia, could you read at the top of 11 that, that oh, paragraph? I'm sorry. I, sorry about that. Thank you for jumping in. Sorry. Um, to Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him, his moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. 
The rest I disregarded. Well, for me, um, that was certainly true as far as God uh, concerned. Um, I had asked God my li- all my entire life to help me lose weight. I wanted God to be the magic God that granted wishes. I wanted God to be the genie that all I had to do was say, please let this happen. I want to be able to be a size four and to eat whatever I want whenever I wanted it. And um, uh, forget all the the moral teachings. Um, You know, I I thought I was kind of a good person, but uh, um, not so much, not as much as I learned later, but... um, for Bill, I can see, yes, uh, we can certainly look at, at um, what religions have taught us about, you know, particular deities and and um, the goodness and, and sometimes the punishments. But, um, but for me particularly, um, I just didn't, wasn't sure that God was listening and that God could do what what I wanted God to do, but that's the key there is I wanted God to do certain things. And for me, my higher power being God, God had other ideas. So, um, but as far as these religions, it was, it's tough to get around all of that. It's tough to get around all of the dogma and all of the things that were taught. And, and, and so I understand Bill's problem. I understand how it was so hard to, to, to embrace something other than what was presented to us uh, in, in churches or synagogues or whatever. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Marsha. And we will stop there, pick up on page 11 for tomorrow's uh, meeting. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, will you read a vision for you? This is Paula, gladly and happily, Paula Recovered Compulsive Low Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.